0: metal episode five we're taking a slight break from the norm this week uh not actually reviewing any albums but a group of us recently went to damnation festival in leeds and we thought we'd give a brief summary of yeah the the festival as a whole like this is um this week i'm not just joined by rob uh but hannah and caitlin hello hello uh (laughs) Yeah so we we went all went up together a group of five of us actually to uh, to this festival. This is a an indoor festival in in Leeds University uh, Students' union split across four stages. It's probably like the UK's like premier extreme metal indoor festival. It's niche market in itself there. Uh kind of goes from genres of black metal, death metal, grindcore, doom and a few other odd bits in between split into four stages 27 bands i think in total over the course of the day and this is like this festival's been around for a while now it's been going since 2005 um this year it's showing it's as popular as ever capacity of 3,000, completely sold out but also not particularly packed so yeah these guys really know what they're doing in terms of putting on a good festival we uh the thing the proceedings of the day kicked off around one o'clock but uh By the time we got our bearings and so on, we'd actually already missed the first three bands of the day, so we won't be giving any reviews of their stuff. So I think the first band everyone managed to catch of the day was uh, Conjure on the I Saw Merch stage. Uh, Rob, do you want to give a quick summary of these guys? Yeah, so Conjure are one I'd listened to a little bit
1: before. They've got one EP out called I, which is about 24 minutes long. It's on YouTube. It's really worth checking out. And I was really impressed with Conjure, actually. There were, I can't really fully describe the genre, which I think is a good thing. There were elements of doom, elements of sludge. I think they described themselves as post-sludge. I don't really know what that means. But <laughs> had a lot of different elements in there. Had some black metal stuff as well as death metal. Uh, and I really, really enjoyed it. I was really impressed. Um, they had a wide variety of vocals. I think all of them except the drummer did vocals at some point. Um, and the
2: drummer might have done some vocals. We just couldn't see him could because guess. he was way, way at the back. <laughs>
1: But yeah, they had bits which reminded me of Ahab or Bellwitch, sort of Funeral Doom. The song Frail in particular really reminded me of that. But then at the end it went into this crazy black metal bit of a blast beat, which I really, really liked. Um, The other thing I really liked about it was the bass player was getting really, really into it and screaming and running around and throwing his bass around. And then I chatted to him at the merch stand and he put his glasses on. He was just the most normal guy I'd ever (laughs) met. It was really nice. So they were great. It's
3: like like they're real people, Rob. Mm.
1: (laughs)
2: it's always difficult being like a really early band on at this kind of one day Mm. festival so because i mean like they had the drapes down but mostly it was still kind of full of natural sunlight crowding in onto the metal people who were all kind of going why is this happening when when will the sun go away and and they kind of still managed to get a really good atmosphere which is relatively unusual for early morning well it wasn't morning but kind of early on Band, so that was, that was pretty great and they had lots of energy that's what I was talking about especially the bassist he was, <laughs> he was great who at one point I started to feel maybe was like high or something because he was so so in a different place and then he took the mic and he was like we've been conjurer you've been lovely and I was like
3: he's just really <laughs>
2: pleased to be here that's the best
3: kind of performance. it is always nice to have yeah. like you said early on that enthusiasm because I've definitely been to festivals where it's like oh with the first band or the second band on and the vibe is that they feel slightly self-conscious about that Morris um, Conjurer definitely were just thrilled to be having a lovely day out. <laughs>
0: it should be stated, they were playing only an hour into the festival, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they, they were packed as well. I mean,
1: there yeah. were some complaints about people not being able to get in, but the, the stage was just full, and uh, there's not really any way around that.
0: So, the I Saw merch stage is the third stage of the festival, and there seems to have been a complaint every single year about Damnation. And because of the way the stage is set up, I don't know how this will ever not be a problem. There's always issues with people getting into that stage. Mm. It's, I think it's effectively, if you want to see a band on it, make sure you're there 10 minutes before they start. Um, yeah, so conjure. sorry, I keep wanting to call them Conjurer, uh, a Midlands-based band as well, who I think are on like their first album? Yeah, so I uh, had a chat to the bass player, I've done their EP, and he said, I believe it was about
1: seven-eighths of the way done through their next album, um, which I'm really looking forward to picking up. I picked the EP up off him, and it's really good. I really liked it.
3: Yeah, I've been listening to it on YouTube, but after mm. having seen them, and actually, I kind of... Yeah, I feel the the vocal, the recordings, the vocals was really really nice on the EP, but actually live, um, I felt some of them were a little bit ropey. I don't know whether you found that. Um, but then that's also not so much to my taste for higher vocals, so maybe that was just a. Yeah, I, I quite yeah.
1: liked how they could skip between their guitarists who could do the much lower death metal style vocals, and then um, well, the other guitarist who could do the sort of black metal style vocals. I, I quite liked that, and at the end where they all just evolved into screaming as feedback. Sort yeah, of that was fun. Went I like throughout that. the room. I really liked that. That's
4: yeah.
0: Good. yeah. So during country set, I went to see a Bristol-based band called Svalbard on the Terrorizer stage who. Actually, yeah, kind of a similar vein of band. They, these guys I describe their sound as somewhere between, like, hardcore with elements of doom and black metal. Uh, two vocalists, um, uh, yeah, a female vocalist and a male. The female vocalist is much lower than the male, which is always an odd dynamic <laughs> when, you, when you see that live. They, again, source of when they first got on stage, showed, up, showed that they were definitely a newer band. Uh, I've, like, since uh, Damnation, Serena Cherry, the... Um, female singer, wrote a blog about her experience of damnation and did, like, interviews with loads of other band members from, like, Cult of Luna and Aka and so on. Really worth looking up. But, yeah, she seemed to be freaking out and at one point had to rebuild her guitar strap using sellotape. I've since <laughs> discovered this was because she couldn't find duct tape in an entire four-stage music festival. Which seems oh uh, seems mind-blowing. But, yeah, so they seemed quite nervous when getting on stage, but then as soon as they started playing... They were incredibly focused, incredibly tight, and actually their music seemed a huge amount more brutal than it does on CD. I've I given these guys a brief listen beforehand and the 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 like uh, recorded stuff sounds pretty good. Kind of a uh, sort of watered down version of Oathbreaker, if you've got any idea who those guys are. But um yeah, live, they really stood out. They had a lot of energy, like amazing like lighting setup, it turns out they brought their own Lighting guy with them, which looked yeah, looked really incredible. they had did this weird thing with some of the spotlights doing like a weird red grid over the stage, <laughs> which yeah, cool. yeah, it looked um looked very impressive, yeah, definitely a band to watch, I think again, much like uh conjure, I believe they're on their first album, so hopefully a song we'll hear more for it's be especially good to have a local band uh yeah kicking that much ass live, uh following them, we had hark and gets worse i don't know did anyone catch either of their sets
3: oh did we catch a, a song or two of hark
2: yeah so uh someone else we knew was kind of going to harks so we were like oh maybe we'll we'll go along and we sort of approached it and discovered that it didn't really sound like our sort of thing and gently seeked away because when you've got 10 hours of music festival to get through <laughs> sometimes it's okay to skip a band who don't sound like you're going i to
3: think like definitely it. more on the hardcore kind of edge which not our jam particularly but
0: yeah, yeah. I think that there was a fair amount of kind of more hardcore bands yeah. this year, and yeah, as you were saying, it is impossible to catch everything because there is bands just round wall to wall through That's throughout really. the eleven hours of the day. Okay, so that leads us, leads us on to um, Mithras, which I think everyone here caught, at least some of. No, oh, did you do not? I didn't know. Okay, well, it was just me and Rob caught this one. Yeah. Now, this is a band I've been fond of for about 10 years, who have <laughs> recently resurfaced with their fourth album. When I first got into them, yeah, that probably was around when their third album came out, so these are a surprise return. And they've never really been much of a live entity either. So it was really interesting to finally get to see these guys live. Um, it was M- Leon Macy, who was previously the guitarist and drummer, now for live purposes is a guitarist and vocalist, so I think as far as the new studio album goes, he's doing absolutely everything, which is kind of insane. Uh, and then he had three other musicians, I think from other projects he's in as well, to back up the live lineup. They were... I really enjoyed their set. It was a mixture of, like, they play tracks off every single album, but... There was a major problem of their sound was muddy as hell. I think if you knew the songs, they were good. Rob, you were newer to the... Well, so well. yeah, I
1: we listened to one of their albums down in the car, but I wasn't that familiar with them. The sound was muddy, it was definitely a problem, but I still really enjoyed it despite that. Um, I mean, you know, early in the day, sometimes the sound doesn't work quite as well, but particularly things that really stood out for me... Um, a lot of the riffs of the guitar tones were excellent, even if sometimes it was hard to pick them out. And particularly the lead guitar tone sounded really sort of space-like, which sort of fits a lot of their music, which has themes about space and sci-fi and stuff like that. And I, I really like the lead guitar tone. That was the standout for me.
0: Oh yeah, I, I'd say despite the muddiness of their tone, like the lead guitar was very, very clear. They, this band, sound-wise, are effectively like um, a very Morbid Angel-influenced band, but with more... Um, more kind of sci-fi electronic elements yeah, in, in yeah. getting involved there to you know flesh out their sound and yeah as rob says all sci-fi concepts all fairly ludicrous stuff <laughs> yeah so overall like not not too disappointing a comeback for a band who effectively haven't really been playing live much it was a pretty impressive effort. Oh, also I should mention Leon had the most ridiculous looking guitar I've seen in a while. <laughs> they, they had some great looking guitars. but uh... it, it, it was like, it was white with lime green pickups and then like weird like paint splatter designs yeah. all yeah. over it.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was impressive to see him doing vocals at the same time as playing these ridiculously guitar parts as well. I was really impressed with that.
0: Yeah, the technicality of his playing was pretty mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. It did seem like to some extent it's clearly his project, like no one else was ever quite in the realm of showing off like he was, but mm. he's very good at it. And that lead, mm. lead tone mixed with his style of solo writing was really quite impressive. Um, so I'm guessing no one saw Aaron Meyer on the other stage? No.
4: Nope.
0: Okay, moving on from that, um, me and Rob caught the very last minutes of hang the bastard, which, again, will fall into a growing category, we'll find as we go on, of bands that are really, really good that I I regret completely missing. Yep. This was Hang The Bastards' final ever gig, so had an absolutely packed crowd on the Jägermeister stage. We only caught like one song of it, yeah, though, we, so we, can't really comment. <laughs> we just managed to get in at the back. I was really impressed with the vocals, actually. They sounded
1: <laughs> excellent. I think we came in just as there was this one incredible scream, which was fantastic to hear. Hang The Bastards aren't quite my thing,
0: but like the bit I heard I was really impressed with... Yeah, and while that was going on uh, Hannah and Caitlin went to see Darker on the um, fourth
2: well, stage I'm very disappointed to hear that was Hang the Bastards last gig because I missed the Bloodstock two years ago and I've been sort of going oh they'll be around on another music festival <laughs>
4: yeah. and then they
2: had to go and clash with Darker who was pretty much the reason I bought my ticket to Damnation <laughs> yeah. so there wasn't really any competition there
3: and that's why we missed Mithras because um, someone was quite keen to get in the front which I must say <laughs> was definitely worth it because that was an amazing gig that's great. Um, again yeah. with the lighting Beautiful dark green, like we're in a kind of like f- swampy forest situation, which is what you want. Horrifying wooded adele, but yes. in scary fairy. Yeah, a kind of very way. yeah, very dark elf yeah. kind of vibe. Do you like. want
0: to give a quick description of darker sound because they're quite a unique artist? <gasps> yeah,
2: um, it's a little bit it's sort of quite hard to describe. Like it's um quite so it's kind of very doomy in places and got some kind of really heavy elements to it, kind of interspersed with lots of kind of very light, very ethereal very unsettling pieces
3: it's kind of metal without it's got like the vibe of being metal without sound wise in fact being what you would describe as heavy metal um, yeah they
2: play a lot of acoustic sets with no drummer yeah. and in this one they mm-hmm. had the drummer who optimistically took his shirt off as though he was going to get hot and then I hit twice. otherwise just sat there and i mean he did a very vibe. good
3: job when he yeah, no, twice, he's, but, he's um, great. And um,
2: it says in the programme he's the former drummer of My Dying Bride. so Oh, really? He's uh, oh, yeah. be okay. getting to choose yeah. his own gigs now, yeah. um, <laughs> which, which was great. Uh, and otherwise, it's just her and she plays the guitar and does the vocals, and her husband, who is the bass player, uh, who also does a lot of quite interesting stuff with the bass. So there was quite a lot of kind of playing with a violin bow, mm-hmm. on which I'm, I'm sure is a thing in that kind of extreme metal but I've never actually seen before. Which no, yeah, sure I that think that's cool. pretty uncommon. Mm. Yeah, no, and there's quite a lot of, they use quite a lot of kind of like that to make just sort of noise.
3: Super ambient.
2: V- very ambient. Yeah. Um... yeah. Um, they had a little bit of technical difficulty so sort of towards the end of their set, which is a bit of a shame, there was quite horrible feedback oh, no. that kind of got right through my earplugs, which was, <laughs> was very impressive. It was ambient,
3: and then there's oh no, this yeah, <laughs> <it> all just, <laughs> <laughs> this is too much.
2: Yeah, um, but overall, really like really incredible, like packed out the fourth stage. Uh, which was really good and also just kind of amazing to hear someone with such a kind of beautiful voice live Mm. because she was like right there like two meters away and i've done a lot of choirs and stuff but i'm still always really surprised when people are able to produce that just with with Mm. their body like i always sort of assume on cd that someone's had a play with it even though i know that that's not not the case but it's just really really amazing really glad i miss mithras to stand on the barrier for it (laughs) No regrets.
1: Yeah. So, so they, they were on the fourth stage, which is the tiny little stage, which you had to follow the sort of labyrinth passageway oh, yeah. nice down to, to. to sort of get into. They had some yeah. really great bands on there, actually.
4: Yeah,
2: definitely. So she played quite a lot of stuff from her new album, which is Realms, which came out this year. Uh, but there are a couple of tracks uh, from The Kingdom Field, which is her like really popular EP, which I think was only two years ago. And that's sort of all she's done. Mm. So she's really kind of making a name for herself. Uh, the track that particularly sticks out for me is Moths, which I would like strongly encourage people to go immediately to YouTube and watch the video of because it is brilliant.
3: Also notable, the track Forgone, um, which I was reading up about it and apparently is about the Hebden Bridge floods um, mm-hmm. Christmas last year because she is in fact a Yorkshire local, as is Caitlin. So <laughs> Yeah. In fact when I bought my
2: darker patch it was around Christmas last year and it had been a couple of weeks and they'd been like, Oh, you know, we're gonna ship it to you and then it hadn't happened and so I kinda emailed what I thought was just like the support for the online shop, being like, oh, what's going on here? And, like, Jane Weissenberg email me back being like, I'm so sorry, we've had flooding in Hebden Bridge. <laughs> oh,
3: Please take as long as you
2: want to send me my patch. That's <laughs> definitely low priority now.
3: Yeah, I really like that um, her lyrics and it kind of fits beautifully with music. It's all super kind of about, like, forces of nature and kind of, you know, a, lots of stuff about death and nature and, I mean, some spirituality stuff, we're getting into kind of a weird hippy-dippy place, but everything's so super dark.
2: Thematically, kind of about the horror of nature in the way that like Ahab are about the horror of nature, but Ahab mm. are obviously predominantly mm. about the mm. sea. Yeah. And mm. uh darker obviously predominantly about like the extreme horror of the English woodland. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Amazing concept. Cool. So following that, um we had Venom Prison, who were quite a popular band of the day. They seem to have a lot of fans around like Possibly it's just because they had amazing merch, but I saw a lot mm. of their t-shirts mm. about. So these are a new Welsh death metal slash hardcore band. I don't know, did anyone actually manage to catch any of them? Because they are my biggest disappointment for having missed the vessel yeah. or having listened to them since.
3: I that was definitely, we were taking a break um, before Bosks. I, I was like, no, I have to have a break now, but I'm so bummed that I can half hear what sounds like a really awesome band, so... <laughs>
0: Okay, yeah, so we had other friends at the festival, did manage to catch them, we hear very good things about their live shows. Yeah, so definitely
3: need to check those guys
0: out. Definitely want to listen to. But that meant, the reason we skipped them was, well, me and Rob, so we could get right to the front for Oceans of Slumber, opening up on the Eagormeister stage. So Oceans of Slumber, I think the first band of the day who aren't from the UK, um, and also the first band we ever covered on this podcast, and if you go about that episode you can hear us absolutely obsessing over them, <laughs> Um and if anything, this has made that worse. Definitely <laughs> made that worse. Yes. Yeah, so um, yeah, due to a fire alarm situation, the crowd on the Agermeister stage was actually really small and we couldn't work out why because we had no idea what had happened. I think people started filtering through later later in the set. But um, yeah, Rob, do you want to take a quick summary of Ocean of Slumber's sound and then their set?
1: Yeah, so uh, Ocean of Slumber were the highlight of the festival for me. I thought their set was absolutely incredible. Uh, it's one of the best things I think I've ever seen. Um, so they played almost everything off the most recent album, Winter, which we covered, bar the song Turpentine. So they had really heavy bits with songs like Apologue, and then they had more mellow bits with songs like Winter, and they did their Moody Blues cover, Nights in White Satin, which was awesome. But, <laughs> but the best bit, I think, is they managed to finish with This Road, which is the closing track of the album, Winter, uh, where their drummer Dobber moved on to playing uh, piano as well, because he's a very talented man. Uh, one of their guitarists switched to drums for the beginning of the song, which I found really exciting, because you know what they're going to play then. And this road is an amazingly epic closer, which sort of showcases all of their talents with really fast and really heavy riffs, as well as amazing vocals from Cammy, and great lead guitar playing and bass playing and everything.
0: Yeah, they made use of that mysterious keyboard that was set up for the mm. entire set, <laughs> and no one was standing behind until... The very start of the very last song. <laughs> so yeah, as Rob said, they played like, barring the silly, like the smaller kind of, not silly, they're brilliant, but the the small interludes, that I don't think would have worked live, pretty much played um, uh, Winter in its entirety. And basically in order as well, actually. Not, not far to, off, yeah. Now I come to think of it. Um, yeah, the the real takeaway, I know it's live. They, so they're kind of sort of progressive doom infused with elements of jazz and... Ambient music and then even some weird bits of country and so on. Yeah. There's quite a lot
4: of blues in there. I yeah,
0: think. yeah, yeah, definitely as well. um Yeah, and fronted by their incredible vocalist, Cami Gilbert, which, yeah, seeing live, her and the drummer Dobber were just incredible forces to see live because his drumming made it sound so much heavier than the studio album ever sounded. It was like mixed very loud for the live kind of setting and yeah, as,
1: as, as Winter kicked in, the heaviness of it, you just don't feel on record, and that was
0: incredible to see. Yeah, it was quite an impressive display, like him going from the more like gentle, jazzy elements of his playing and then into the full-on blast beats, which mm. on the album you can't tell as much, but live definitely seemed reminiscent of his grind act, uh, Insect Warfare. Yeah. You yeah. could really see the influence of of that project. And yeah, just as an act, they were so tight on this extremely complex and varied music mm-hmm. like they were able to go for a huge dynamic range like more so than pretty much any other band we saw playing I Think so and, and vocals from
1: uh, both guitarists and the bass player as well which were equal well not quite as good as cami's because cami has an amazing range but were, were good enough to front bands themselves really
0: yeah they're like uh, incredible selection yeah, the rare you see four mics on stage for, mm. like, incredible varied range of screamers and a really brilliant singer. Yeah. Who actually, like, brilliant, but doesn't really show off in higher register that much. She's quite mm. a mid-range singer, but just does a hell of a lot of that. And you get to find out, like, if you ever see him live, what we does for the, like, four or five minutes <laughs> regularly in a set where she doesn't have any vocals, <laughs> which is just dance and it seems to work really well.
1: It looks completely <laughs> natural, yeah.
0: Yeah, she yeah. doesn't look out of place, which doesn't have to do the... Uh, the Dream Theater running off and grabbing a tambourine. and
2: Because
3: <laughs> 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 they're American, she, she doesn't have the self-consciousness. And Can I imagine an English singer just, like, buffing along for five
2: <laughs> yeah. minutes? Yeah, well, Bosque, who we're going to come to later, their singer just, like, wanders off stage, Yeah, he's, he's not required. So. I think I saw
0: a few bands with, like, a lone vocalist do that I'm going to disappear off. Mm. Actually, yeah, straight off, these guys, near Beliviscaris, mm. had the same, mm. Mm. their vocalist goes for a sit-down every five yeah. minutes. <laughs> But yeah, so Oceans of Slumber. Effectively, we're not going to say much more than we did on the first episode about this. They're as incredible as they are. Well, even more so live, mm-hmm. actually. Definitely an act you've got to see more of and, yeah, get... Yeah get definitely. all their music and <laughs>
2: definitely my biggest regret of the festival was not seeing them yeah because we got trapped outside by the fire alarm mm. and because we already knew we were going to have to leave early because we really wanted to see bosk
3: and i was increasingly panicked about getting to the front because they were, mm. on, um, were on the
2: isol merch stage where yeah. it, it's often very hard to get in uh so in the end i I nipped in the back for i think the end of one track and the beginning of another and when. This is mind-blowingly good. And then went, <laughs> Hannah's
0: going to kill me if I don't Yeah. Me, so I I'm pissed off again. Yeah, yeah. Whereas me and Rob sort of made the same mm-hmm. choice of Venom Prison earlier. So we could get to the very front row for Oceans. And well, definitely worth it. We, we had a brief chat with one of the guitarists as well.
1: Like, just after he was hanging around by the merch stall. Uh, apparently they've got maybe another four songs ready. Or on the way to being ready for new material. So oh, wow. definitely watch these Brilliant. guys. Whatever they do is
0: probably going to be great. So...
3: Hopefully a headlining tour because this oh, yeah, this summer they're on tour so. but with um, Nebula of and Enslaved um, yes um, a so tour they...
0: which actually hit this festival yeah 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 mm. which is kind of <laughs> weird
3: but yeah I'd like to see them um, yeah that that's
0: yeah because uh, uh, like the, the thing I've heard from friends who saw them on the previous My Dying Bride tour was they had the problem of being a band supporting My Dying Bride in same as a band supporting Iron Maiden or something none of your audience wants to yeah, see you yeah yeah that's, mm. that's gonna be gonna be hard. Yeah, so the final band we're going to cover in this uh, this half is Bosque, which me and Rob didn't see, but <laughs> Hannah and Caitlin have already infused quite a lot about. Yes. Hannah, do you want to introduce us to these guys?
3: Absolutely, a uh, little bit obsessed, but it's fine. So yeah, Bosque, um, English band, uh, formed a while ago, released two EPs in relatively quick succession, and then in 2008 disbanded, um, so I thought permanently. Uh, I got obsessed with these two EPs, listened to them over and over again. Really nice mellow post rock with a kind of stoner edge, but also with they just go from so mellow to like such like intensity. Um, I really like Bosk. Yeah, but um, there then <laughs> was it this year or last year they released. Audio January, I can't remember. I
0: think it might have been the end of last year. End
3: right, so I think end of last year. Yeah, released um, their first full album, which I was completely freaked out about because I was like, "What if it isn't as good?" I was like, "They've been (laughs) been away for like eight years. How can this possibly just be as good?" And it was basically it was better or as good, and they yeah, they kind of their potential was fulfilled. Basically, I feel because yeah, with two EPs you get a real taste for what they can do, but with the with the album, that got expanded and they kind of, yeah, went to a place. It was really good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so setlist-wise, uh, did they split between the album and the EPs? Uh,
3: well, this was kind of a special one-off appearance thing because they played the first EP, which is called One, um, in full. Um, which is the thing they? Well, it's two tracks. Yeah, they have two tracks. Yeah. Two, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Really going for the minimalist post metal kind of vibe there. Um, yeah, they played that entire thing, which is totaled about thirty five minutes. And they, yeah, this, they were like explicitly, this is like a one off thing. This is not something we're going to do because you know the songs are so long. It's and they're hard to chop up and get the same kind of atmosphere. So yeah, they started out playing one, which was amazing. And then they played a really nice range of stuff off um, Audio Noir, including Kobe, which is like I think their first single from that album, um, which is really cool and kind of super like up, I guess poppy would be maybe the way I describe it. It's like really melodic for. Yeah, there was like of... a
2: lady behind us actually dancing, yeah, which was, which was great actually. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. oh, I'm join in a little bit with that lady, and then remembered that I was at the front and could be seen by the people. Yeah, the
3: <laughs> there's definitely a groove aspect to some yeah. of their music, which I really really enjoy. So. Yeah.
2: Yeah, So in terms of like stagecraft, they had some really interesting stuff going on with the lighting. So one of the sort of things about Bosque is they do, they do always look very uncomfortable on stage. They don't seem to make very much of an effort. to <laughs> gave the crowd until sort of right at the end. Um, <clears throat> so they sort of filled the stage with kind of dry ice, sort of smoke machine smoke. Uh, and then they had kind of like these kind of really piercing blue lights shooting directly down at the people at the very front, kind of right at the top of the stage. Okay, us. <laughs> uh, basically down to us, yeah. Just on on the kind of barrier and the next kind of couple of rows, um, rendering them almost completely invisible. Mm. <laughs> Which is sort of really interesting. I can see kind of like shadowy bits of people's leg, the occasional yeah. outline of a bit of guitar, like quite difficult to work out what was going on for a, lot of, for a lot of their set. And that was actually kind of cool.
3: Yeah, definitely what you want with post-metal really. Because it's not yeah. like there's going to be a crazy performance and people, I mean, the, the vocals are pretty minimal. So it's not like there's really a mm-hmm. front man. It's a true like collaborative. There's, there's a mm-hmm. bunch, there's like five or six of them on stage at mm-hmm. various points. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and they all look very normal as well because yeah. the sort of thing about post metal is that people just seem to come in their like normal clothes, and <laughs> their normal hair, and their glasses, and they're just like, yeah, I'm just, I'm just here to spend thirty minutes playing a very kind of interesting and intricate piece of riff, and then I'm gonna go home again, <laughs> <laughs> have a cup of tea, and that sort of is the kind of vibe. But it was really, really, really awesome.
3: Yeah, I was, I don't know, not not concerned because I have seen, I saw that a very brief uh, festival set they did at Doom Over London. But I was kind of like, how are they going to sound coherently as a band after not being together for eight years? Mm. And I'm not actually sure whether it's like everyone stayed, like whether it's the same group of people necessarily. Um, but yeah, it was it was really tight, except for on the on Kobe, which is their single, um, there's a sound effect. Let's really like kind of twinkly sound in on the actual album, which they I don't know how they achieved that in the studio because it was not achieved on stage and i was like i don't know whether there was something going wrong like the guy was like fiddling about with his guitar a lot and it was like should this be a thing (laughs) because i was like like, waiting for this waiting to listen for this twinkly sound because i thought they're gonna play kobe they're gonna play it but then i was like oh they're playing it without that sound okay um, yeah Yeah. i mean
2: one of the um one of the musicians like was almost entirely just doing sort of synthy stuff but obviously now that is mostly done on the computer so he had his kind of like little Mm. apple uh, Mac there, yeah. The little apple logo like, glowing through,
3: through the <laughs> very <laughs>
2: atmospheric, uh, very post-punk. Just, just before they just before they started, he came in and like plugged his iPhone in next to it, and I'm not really sure if that was because he needed some apps on there to do some music stuff or whether he was just like, like know, phone. my phone out, <laughs> playing. Yeah. So that was you
4: know
2: kind of
3: like really nice. And of course, their sound check went on for about ten minutes, and you couldn't really tell when they'd actually started. <laughs> there, <laughs> there, was, there was a bit of awesome a problem
2: for three minutes while I could see the sound guy going. And, uh, what are they Are they just making faces at the other time <laughs> being like have they started yeah. <laughs> are they? have we finished soundcheck what's going on which is kind of the effect you want from post metal really. oh yeah, yeah, yeah I think it's
0: true post metal style Absolutely. to have the audience in complete suspense as they're getting started or for that meta- matter ended
3: Yeah, we've transcended the state of soundcheck and are just playing <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, yeah so I think that will, that'll cover it for this half we'll be back in the second half with of uh, Viscaris So the, uh, the second second half of the day, effectively, this is continuing straight on from Oceans of Slumber set, and um, one of the most disappointing clashes of the festival, I'd say, um, this was near Blaviscaris, so me and Rob ran straight over there after Oceans of Slumber, and only just managed to get into the back of the room. I yeah. think this was another just really popular... Just
2: the band they were cutting with was Bosque, which is why Hannah and I didn't see them. Mm.
0: Yes, yes, sorry, I <laughs> should have explained that better, Yeah. So this was, I think, one of the more popular bands of the festival. Definitely one of the biggest crushes I saw on the Terrorizer stage of the yeah. whole the whole day. Uh, Scar is are an Australian kind of tech death meets kind of weird neoclassical influences, and then lots of fiddle playing with uh, <laughs> very clean, almost like almost poppy kind of vocals in places. Mm. Uh, they have two vocalists, one who also plays the is it fiddle or... I think it's just a violin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah just violin. Um, and then one guy who's just does screen vocals with a backing of four guys who are just your standard core of a metal band, like lead guitar, rhythm guitar, bass and drums. Uh, the notable thing about all of them is they all seem to be absolutely brilliant musicians. Yeah, like, I was
1: a, particularly the bass player is always a standout in this. There's all the tabbing <laughs> sections and the scales he does on the bass are really outstanding.
0: Yeah, which in a in a group of six musicians is quite an impressive thing for the mm. bass player to be noticeable. Um yes, yeah, so we could just about see them and the main thing to take away from Neo Boliviscar is the set, I think they were the first band on the Terrorizer stage to have really good sound. And my God they are a tight band. Like Yeah, yeah,
1: phenomenally. We'd caught them a couple of years ago at Bloodstock because I think it was one of the first sounds they'd come to the UK back then. But they're back now, and they're touring with Oceans of Slumber and Enslaved, and that's how they got to Damnation. And they sound phenomenal. Just everything sounds so tight, with like really fast, heavy songs and stuff like that. And the violin playing, again, sounds perfect. It was perfectly mixed, and just the technicality of the music. And managing to get that to sound together and tight is really impressive.
0: And like much like Oceans of Slumber, they had a really impressive kind of dynamic range in their sound, where you go from these kind of... Um, Extremely heavy death metal sections, blast beats, and so on, into these very gentle, like uh, violin or acoustic guitar-led passages. Um, they seem to get a really good response from the crowd as well. I think they they definitely went down very well. Possibly one of the few bands that didn't bring their own lighting guy again, probably because they didn't come from Australia. <laughs> so yeah, no other band came from Australia, and uh, probably wanted to cut they down the on, number.
2: They are on tour at the moment though, because they're on tour with Enslaved and. Um... Oceans
0: of Slumber so maybe I yes but then again they wouldn't be sharing Oceans of Slumber by like any <laughs> sound or stage guys of Oceans of Slumber because they would have had to get between two stages
2: yeah. oh of course of course
0: but yes uh, so the the main selling point of Damnation when it was first announced was this incredible Enslave tour which uh, yeah. stopped at uh, Damnation Festival of Enslaved supported by Nia Viscaris and Oceans of Slumber which is yeah just a progressive metal dream mm-hmm. really like two up-and-coming bands, both Oceans of Slumber and Near Blue Discarus are a very new band, sort of, last four or five years I think they formed, both from, only two albums under the belt. From from massively different areas of the world as well, like Australia and Texas as well
1: as Enslaved, so you know, you have an enormous variety of progressive music which is coming from all, all parts
0: of the world. Yeah, um, I don't know if there's much else to say about this set. Effectively, they played uh, I think it was four tracks, and it might have even only been three. Um, bit of a variety of both albums, um, yeah, and they sounded almost exactly as they do on CD, which I yeah. think is is the sound they're going for. They're, with that, without me, musicians and that complex arrangement, they're not going to be a band that start jamming live.
1: I'd probably say that um, the harsh vocals and the violin playing sound much more powerful, well, and more melodic live. Actually, violin playing and. Harsh vocals, respectively. That's what always stands out to me when we've
0: seen them a couple of times. Uh, and we got the ubiquitous uh, violin player stage dive at the end of the set, mm. which seems to be near Oliver yeah. staple. Again, he he looks
1: so happy, which makes me feel really pleased. You know,
3: well, he's the, still as happy as he was at Bloodstock.
1: He's he still yeah,
3: that happy. That, yeah, that stood out for me. They were just like, "We're Australian. We're so thrilled to be here." Like,
4: yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. They're yeah. quite quite an active band on stage. I remember at Bloodstock, him nearly tumbling yeah. into the audience when he, <laughs> he stood on a stray like uh, plug mm. socket on stage mm. and teetered on the edge nothing quite that scary this time yeah. <laughs> but yeah uh, and so shortly following them was uh, one of the biggest draws of the festival and one that sadly i've only really discovered since this was cult of luna playing their new album mariner in full with um who i've since worked out who this is uh julie christmas who is the Vocalist of Made Out of Babies, who are a New York art rock kind of group. Who, yeah, she's a kind of incredible personality and stage presence. Now, this was one of the bits I decided to take a break in because I didn't know this band, and we went to the merch area. But the way Damnation was set up this year was you could see straight through to the stage, which must have been about 100 metres away <laughs> yeah. from the merch area. It was area. the same
3: room, basically. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So while me and Rob were buying t-shirts, we actually got to watch a bit of the Cult of Luna mm. set. Uh, Rob, what do you make of this? Uh, so, I mean, I'm not hugely familiar with Cult of Luna. I've heard some stuff, um, but I'm not aware of the
1: new album. Uh, but what I heard sounded really cool, actually. I was a bit of a shame we, you know, sort of had, had missed the beginning and decided to take a break now. I mean, you need some time just to gather yourself, particularly before agri But,
0: um... <laughs> Yeah, the stuff I heard was really interesting. The vocals sounded excellent as well. I was quite impressed. Yeah, so Cult of Luna play a kind of um, Neurosis-esque um, sludge post-rock, whatever that whatever that genre, Isis, Neurosis and Cult of Luna do is. I'm not quite sure how to classify it. But then with this uh, like far more powerful vocal presence than I think they've ever had before on previous albums, and they had the most incredible kind of live setup where the band were completely backlit and then the stage was flooded with dry ice, so you couldn't actually make out anyone on stage apart from like silhouettes, and you just yeah got some very active silhouettes in the <laughs> in the background. yeah, it was definitely one of the most impressive looking of all the sets, and yeah, definitely an album I'll have to pick up after this, I think this will be a lot of people's kind of highlight of the festival but yeah it drew a yeah. massive crowd
2: I, I listened to the uh, album before the the before the festival and I kind of do a thing where I kind of review the albums i am just seeing on Facebook and I didn't really rate it and I was like, oh, I don't think they've really achieved what they wanted to do. And immediately four people were like, It's my album of the year. How dare you it's my album of the year. So I think it's fair to say it's pretty popular.
3: Yeah. I had no idea they were like sludgy post rock and I'm like, oh no, I like that. Yeah, <laughs> what you'd have probably I missed? Be... <laughs> yeah. I'm mm. like, oh they're like ISIS, okay. <laughs> yeah, you'd probably be quite into yeah. it. Oh well, I think definitely I think I have to make tea at that point, so I definitely needed <laughs> yeah. some yeah. food. So. Oh well, was, yeah. just after boss we had to have a seat. <laughs> Yeah, mm. just emotionally and physically ruined <laughs> by Bosch, so.
0: Yeah, clashing with them was the Infernal Sea. I don't know if anyone got to catch any of that either. No, unfortunately I, not. I
2: potted down for the last... I ended up being just actually the last track because they finished slightly before the end of the set time because I had enough time to get across to Acapulco before it was completely full. Um, and it was pretty good. Sort yeah. of like straight, straight down the road, uh, black metal, kind of like perfectly nicely put together obviously no, sort of nothing compared to boss but in a completely different genre, so it should not really be compared to boss It just mm-hmm. is, is the way the day had gone. Um, their latest album is kind of like themed around the Black Death, as so many black metal albums are. <laughs> yeah. uh, traditional. And it, it's kind of a traditional theme, but uh, they've got a sort of thing where all of them, except the singer presumably because it gets in the way of the mic, uh, were wearing plague masks, which, <laughs> which was kind of charming, except that they were also doing that kind of like slightly newer kind of black kind of metal kind of thing, where they were sort of playing in hoodies with the hoods up, um which did have the slightly unfortunate effect of making them look a little bit like ducks. Which were kind of charming <laughs> and I really enjoyed because I like a kind of like silly bit of staging, but I think perhaps it was not quite what they were going for.
0: <laughs> yeah, so like this band I'm aware of purely because I played with them in a metal to the masses qualifier like bloodstock um like Unsigned stage qualifier years ago when they were just wearing hoodies with the hoods up. So yes. <laughs> the plague masks are definitely an improvement on the look. Well, it's
2: catching on because we saw Conan at Bloodstock a few years ago and they were also playing with their hoods up and so
0: yeah. they, it's, it's
2: spreading around.
0: Uh, yeah, I think the, the hoodie up look is definitely a black and doom metal, new metal yeah, kind of yeah. staple.
3: It just looks hot though. I don't. I think hot. Yes, like it might be uncomfortable with the stage lights. Yeah. Although
0: the, the fourth stage was pretty freezing. Yeah. It was cold in mm. there, yeah. yeah. Well, I, th- I think our friend Pete described them as the Ducks of Doom. Yes. Which... So, get on board with them. Our friend Pete, who was also in that band with me and has no memory <laughs> of playing with them for some reason. Yeah, right, that's so-
2: probably a port with Pete, not with them. I- yes, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah, so they, they were definitely the best, one of the best bands we played with in that competition. Um, so straight after that, we saw um Akikoka, who we've mentioned at length on this podcast before. Um, another man, much like Bosk and Mithras, who have recently kind of got back together and started doing stuff again. Um, me and Rob have already mentioned on previous podcasts, this is actually, for me, the third time I've seen them live on this <laughs> tour. Having seen something like, what well, must be 30% of all their live dates this <laughs> year. Um, yeah. Uh, Rob, do you want to give a quick summary of your feelings on this one? Yeah, so
1: it's it's the second time I've seen Angkor on this tour as well, and it's slightly unfortunate because had I not seen them in Bristol really recently, they'd have been one of the biggest draws to this. Um, As it was, they were still phenomenal. I think particularly the sound here was great. In particular, uh, David's drum sounds were really, really good. We were put to one side a little bit, so whenever Jason started a guitar solo, we heard it really loud,
0: and then it sort of normalised a little bit. And all of Paul's solos were inaudible because yeah, of that, yeah. but I think that's the virtue of any live gig. If you can't be in the mm-hmm. middle, you're going to lose a bit of the sound. So yeah, it, um, very much in the vein of their, their previous gigs. This was Aka doing their usual progressive black and death metal thing, playing a bit. I think they played a track of every single album? Yeah, I, th- I think they Yes, yes, they did. Yes, yeah. they did. Um, yeah, so, Hannah, like, you haven't seen him as of yet. What no. did you reckon to this? Um,
3: I, was, I, I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. I'm kind of semi-familiar with Akakaka, I think mostly just because of, like, osmosis, like, being around, particularly my brother, who was obsessed uh, mm. as a teenager, and then you guys. Um, I'm, like, mildly familiar with Chronism, is that one there? Yeah, yeah, yeah the third album. Um, yeah, and, like, a few tracks of that, I'm like, yeah, really, really enjoy this. So I was kind of like, mmm... I don't know how I feel about them sometimes. So I was like, I'll go along. It'll be a fun gig. And yeah, it like genuinely blew me away. I think mostly because like the vibe they represented because it, of the they being reformed and suddenly coming out and touring again. They were just so pleased. And <laughs> it just seemed yeah. genuinely like surprised like slash grateful that everyone had come out to see them mm-hmm. and they were just having a great time. And that was kind of I feel that really was what made it like a really fun gig, even though I didn't recognise most of the songs <laughs> I would say. I was like, Yeah, and but also like groovy I was not expecting yeah. to be so much of a groove as,
1: particularly because they're now playing The Dark Inside from Antichrist a lot which I'm really pleased they're playing because it goes into sort of like a pop section yeah, really I like when that Jason's cut. is doing his clean vocals and then it's a really heavy song outside that I'm really glad they're
0: playing some of the weirder songs from their catalogue yeah as well. apparently Dark Inside included a massive fan request over the years <laughs> had never been played live before this tour mm. so they're actually fortunately for Hannah their tour so far has been mainly focused on the Chronos on album oh, really? uh, yeah so we've got three tracks off that live and then i think one off every other album yeah. closing with uh, skin for dancing in the kind of Bizarre prog, but with sing-along chorus and terrifying black metal middle <laughs> section song.
3: Yeah, just the like, I'm like, what are you? What are you doing? I don't understand. I mean, I'm I'm getting along with it, but I just <laughs> yeah, gently baffling. I would, I'm baffled by them.
1: Well, I'm particularly doing a lot of songs off Crimson and um, Dark Inside as well. They had Sam from Voices who was playing uh, keyboards with them. Yeah. Who, who knew every single word. Oh, to he every was so into I it. Tell. I love that. I just watched him going. That was great. Yeah, yeah, I really
3: loved that. Also, was like. But I know that dude I've seen voices a couple of times like <laughs> what are you doing here oh you're so in this I, band too I found that very weird
2: as well because I've listened to I think one Adcock album I think I listened to Antichrist uh, before the festival and it ended up sort of not really being my thing but because we were over that side of the stage and standing in front of him and he, I remember him very distinctively from Voices because he so didn't look like a metal guy exactly he looked like quite a normal guy. man yeah. uh, which with the rest of the band was very weird <laughs> and uh, I just remember kind of looking at him and being like but I like this band and I know because I recognised that person I kept having to go no brain the band that you really like is Voices and this is actually quite different yeah. even if it has some of the same people in it
0: Yeah, particularly eagle-eyed uh... Uh, uh people would have noticed there's actually three members of voices present yes. but, no, I no, really. yep. Yep. yeah uh, so with david gray drums for both and uh voices bass player doing the sound yeah really <laughs> yeah. yeah so uh, and yeah akakoga would become a kind of who's who of just like london death metal because mm. you've also got on bass nathaniel underwood of damon who are coming back with a new album soon as well in the scheme of 2016 being the Year where bands are, yeah, we desperately want to reform, actually reform and release new material. Yeah, the, the bass in particular sounded really good live as well. It wasn't quite as loud as when we caught them in Bristol, no, no, that was, yeah, incredibly loud sounding and actually still worked really well, though. Mm. I think back to what Hannah was saying, though, this was the band that I saw the most energetic reaction from That's the crowd yeah, from. Yeah. This had like I think before that, the only band I'd really seen a crazy pit to. Well, it wasn't crazy. It was like a kind of minor pit. Was to Mithras, and yeah, yeah. Face the usual difficulties of tech death is quite hard to have mosh pits mm, too. Mm. I imagine Hang the Bastard had a really brutal pit, but I was nowhere near it, so yeah. couldn't tell. Um, but they had a huge number of crowd surfers in Aircock as well, who mm. all had to push their way past us once they were escorted <laughs> out by security. Yeah, we didn't exactly uh, choose the best spot in the crowd yeah. for this one, <laughs> but yeah, we we didn't quite. As much as they're glad to be back here, we didn't quite have the thing at Bloodstock where a chant of welcome back started spontaneously oh, no. during the middle of the set. <laughs> but yeah, um, I, this is the end of their kind of comeback tour. So I think uh, they're now going to studio to record their new album and then hopefully it'll probably be a world tour and Yeah. Well, yeah. the, the new album sounds really promising, they've released um, in a Sanctum,
1: well not released but it was on the radio, uh, so that sounds really good, and they played Disappear here, they also played it in Bristol, uh, and that sounds great, so I'm really looking forward to what they do next. Yeah, I
0: completely forgot Yeah, they played a track off the uh, upcoming album. Mm-hmm.
3: Which I really liked, so yeah, it's yeah. encouraging.
0: Yeah, definitely very promising, uh, I think very much in the vein of the Words album but taken to a bit more of a progressive place. Yeah, Definitely. Okay, so following that, we had um, Dread Sovereign on the fourth stage, who are fronted by Alan of Primordial and are a kind of, I guess, like more classic Doom kind of band. So, yeah, yeah. very heavy detuned guitars, but with effectively a sound that he's imagined classic rock, but just slowed down and detuned to the nth degree. <laughs>
3: That yeah, that I was. I've been struggling to Mm. define what they sounded like, but that is what they sound like. (laughs) Great, that's good to know.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and if you know anything about Primordial, they're very like they have Alan's trademark vocals. He doesn't change them up much for this. Very much in the vein of later Primordial, kind of that sort of clean singing he does. I don't know quite what you'd call that
1: style. But it was amazingly powerful to see live. He can fill the room completely with his voice. It was really, really cool to see him because I haven't caught Primordial before actually and yeah, yeah, he sounded great.
2: So I saw Primordial at the last animation we went to and it took me a little while to work out that it was the same guy because obviously he wasn't wearing all of his Primordial Mm -hmm. stage (laughs) makeup, etc. And that actually kind of made for a really different effect even though I was quite like these vocals are very similar. It yeah, yeah. makes for a really, really different effect when you're not looking at somebody covered in kind of I think it's meant to look like bark. It's, it's, it's much less sinister. Like... I mean much less sinister. Yeah. <laughs> um, but still still really good. I was there for quite a lot of um, Dread Sovereign sound check. Uh, and they there was a sort of there's a sort of thing at Damnation where whoever does the music for Leeds University Union doesn't really have very much metal that they can put on <laughs> so there's quite a lot of kind of weird stuff in there including fantastically girls just want to have fun which came on the playlist while they were sound checking uh so he just like sang along for a couple of beats just being like well i mean i have enjoying myself why not so that was kind of charming and obviously meant that i instantly was like he's the, basically the best man at the festival after a hundred <laughs> bassist, he <laughs> yeah. so that that was really nice
0: yeah, so Caitlin, I think, was the only one who caught the entirety of Dread Sovereign set.
4: Yep.
2: Yeah, uh, so I haven't listened to any of their stuff, so I can't tell you if it's what album it's from or anything, um, but, like, overall pretty good. Uh, they might have been having some sound difficulties. Uh, it was a lot quieter, so they were on the fourth stage, and it was a lot quieter than the other stuff had been. Like, even Darker, who we were sort of expecting to be quite mellow, was, like, oppressively loud in places, mm. whereas this, mm. I was like, I could take my earplugs out. And I actually wouldn't notice. So that was sort of interesting. And a couple of people around me were kind of yelling, turn it up. But it was kind of that, that part of the night where people yell that anyway. So Yeah, well, I
0: mean, we're up to about uh, nine o'clock by now. So yeah. Yeah. if people were drinking, they're pretty drunk by now.
2: Yeah. Um, but overall, good. Like some kind of uh, very kind of doomy, as you were saying, kind of like... Uh sort of reasonable I I mean, can you have middle of the road doom? Oh yeah, well truly
0: you know, like I, I'm, I'd say like imagine a band like uh, Reverend Bazaar or Candlemass, but just with less of the cleaner elements and more of just more distortion on that yeah, kind of sound. Yeah. Like those kind of riffs still though.
4: Yeah. yeah,
2: and then sort of thematically they've got a lot of the kind of like anti Christian uh stuff that you you get in a lot of sort of uh I guess kind of northern European especially black metal. Um, but what was kind of interesting about it was that it was kind of because they're, so they're an Irish band or at least they're, quite a lot of them are Irish if not all of them. Yeah, I'm not um,
0: sure who the other two guys in the band are.
2: I think one of the other ones is also from Primordial.
0: No, no their old drummer not. was Primordial's drummer um, oh, and okay. he's since been, yeah, he's since been okay, replaced.
2: Well, I, either way, the, certainly lyrically the themes are very kind of much about uh, sort of Irish paganism and Irish Christianity which actually has a very different narrative to mm, it than mm, kind of your sort of classic kind of conversions of Norway conversions of Sweden uh, which is a kind of like massive history nerd I found very interesting so that was great even if some of it did go to a sort of like quite weird reductive place although now you've said that what they sound like is slowed down classic rock maybe they were trying to do something quite interesting with that because one of their tracks which he regrettably announced the name of was entitled <laughs> Live Like an Angel But Die Like a Devil and I was like that is the oh worst my God, title ever <laughs> <laughs> But now you're saying this slow down classic rock thing makes sense. Yeah, yeah. It does make mm. sense. So maybe it's a sort of interesting thematic thing that they're playing with, and <laughs> yeah. not just a terrible, terrible title that should never have been announced to a
4: live
0: audience. Uh, the the only major criticism I have of this set, and it's nothing to do with Dread Sovereign. I don't know why this happened, but someone opened the stage door halfway through. Mm. So we're in a dark room, but with a brightly lit stage door open right next to the band, which someone did killed. Someone ki-
2: darker as well. Yeah, no.
0: sort of killed the vibe. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah I mean Hardly affected it that much Unfortunately um, Me and Rob Dropped out of this one Early Because we wanted to get In the crowd for Enslaved Now Before we get to Enslaved At the same time as Dread Sovereign Was a Bath On the main stage Now I think this is another Quite popular one None of us went to see this But From friends who were there General consensus is The sound was dreadful And Abath was being A bit of a diva mm. So I Yeah Apparently not the best Live show but I didn't see it, so I can't really corroborate that. But the other main thing to take from this as well is Bath is mainly playing his new studio album with a couple of old Immortal f- songs mm-hmm. thrown in there. This is effectively a new entity. It's not a kind of continuation of Immortal under a different name. But yeah, so on to another um, absolute staple of Norwegian black metal. I think formed slightly after Immortal, but not much mm-hmm. later. Uh we we got the Legendary Enslaved. In the same slot that was last year Primordial, that was probably my band of the festival, was definitely my band of the festival this year. Um, yeah. Did all, did all four of you manage to get there for Enslaved? No. no. Oh, okay, so it was just me and Rob, and we managed to turn up early enough to get right to the front. Yeah. And yeah, this this set just made me very happy. <laughs>
1: enslaved completely killed it. i seen it wasn't for in Bristol, but, th- but this time the sound was... On Point, the The song choice as well was really great. They started off with something from Ritier, and then they played some stuff from the new album. They played a song from Frost with Fenris, and they played some stuff from everything, essentially. A really nice representative sample, and they and they just sounded great.
0: Yeah, um, so the set list was effectively tracks from every album, Rune, up to In Times. I think they got two tracks in off In Times, and then yeah, yeah. as, as Rob says... Like uh, randomly in the middle of the set went all the way back to um, Femris from their second album Frost. And it's, like, it sounded just right. It fitted into even the modern stuff like A Thousand Years of Rain. It just
1: felt the same. Enslaved have just this peculiarity about how they write songs and how they play stuff which goes through all of the stuff they've ever released.
0: Yeah, so Enslaved have quite an incredible setup up these days where they've gone from being a very actually never that traditional black metal. They were kind of a slight Weird variant of it with their bassist vocalist Gertle and uh, guitarist Ivor, who I've since discovered met when um, one of them knocked the other unconscious stage diving. I <laughs> think poor uh, Ivor was 13 during this incident <laughs> when he was crushed by Gertle. And in, now, having seen Gertle walking around a venue in the flesh, he is huge and that is a <laughs> terrifying prospect. <laughs> um, yeah, the, so the lineup's now made up of the drummer whose name I've just forgotten. Um, Ice Dale on lead Guitar, who is like a shirtless classic rock guitarist, thrown into the mix of an otherwise quite black metal band. Yeah. And then and then a keyboard player who also does clean vocals, which have really in the last four albums or so added a huge new dimension to the album. Yeah, he he's just got better uh, and better sound,
1: and, sorry. and better really. And now particularly live, the sort of switching between Gertrude's harsh vocals and the clean vocals just adds a whole new element to it and it sounds excellent.
0: Yeah, this was another. I think this is another real crowd pleasing set. The uh, Terrorizer sage seemed pretty packed out for it. And another fun bit of trivia around it is we saw their tour mates just on the balcony, <laughs> sort of heckling and dancing along for the entirety of this set. Yeah, the, the, the oceans of the Slumber guys were up there
1: and playing air drums along to it and getting really into it, which is great to see.
3: Impressive after touring like all summer with a band, <laughs> still being into seeing them live. They
1: were saying that Enslaved were really fun guys to hang around with, oh, particularly right. the drummer. Apparently, so. <laughs> Whose birthday it
0: was? Yes. Yeah. Oh, oh, no, was it his was birthday it? or was it the sound guy? Was, there was a lot of... We definitely had to sing Happy Birthday at one yeah. point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we
1: did. Oh, well, that, that was to enslave themselves. Oh, yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, their 25th anniversary.
0: Yeah, which is probably why they're playing old material like mm. Femris, because I've seen them a few times recently, and they tend not to go back beyond Easter at this point. So that, that was a really cool new dynamic. The one thing I'd say, criticising him against other bands on the stage, so... Both Akcker and Nebolevkar' got an incredible sound out of this stage. The thing I've noticed about Enslaved is they never seem to get a perfect live sound. There's always something slightly off, something slightly muddy about it it's not It's not bad by any means you can hear perfectly what's going on, but it, it never quite lives up to the studio albums, and I think it's just because their sound is so weird and complex, yeah, yeah. no one can work out how to capture it live. <laughs> Yeah, I,
1: th- I thought the vocals were a little bit quiet for this, actually. I was sometimes strained to pick out particularly the clean vocals, uh, but fortunately I knew almost everything they were playing, so that was fine. Uh, but another thing about Slade as well, which I particularly noticed live, is just how restrained their drummer is, and how expertly he matches whatever the song needs, without you know showing off or going over the top, but he does exactly what's needed to make the song sound excellent. So I was yeah, really impressed he's,
2: he's with that. He's basically the anti-Lazel
0: <laughs> <laughs> or almost the anti-Dobber from Oceans of Slumber, who's like, fleshes out the songs by putting everything into them. But, but, but
1: again, I think Dobber is really artful in how he does. Oh that. God, he, yeah, he does
0: it spot on. Whereas you will get drummers who will just
1: throw in the most complex fill that they can do to prove that they're great. Um, and there's a real art to being able to do complex fills and complex grooves, which sort of adds to the song rather than just making you seem like you think you're a great drummer.
0: Yeah, and. Uh, as I say, we we got Icedale with his shirt off for the entire set, so you got to see some <laughs> impressive peck muscles if yep. uh, nothing else was appealing about the set. <laughs> <laughs> and he did, did some. You know, they played Ground, which
1: has one of the best, uh, one of the best guitar solos of all time, I think, on it, which just sounds like a Pink Floyd classic rock solo, just put in the middle of this weird progressive black metal stuff.
0: Yeah, as much as it doesn't really make sense, I would say the modern Insulay sound is somewhere between. Black Metal and Pink Floyd. Yeah, I, I yeah. don't know quite how they've managed to make that mix, but, <laughs> but, but they had, somehow yeah. that's, that's coming together as a sound. But yeah, I think definitely a highlight Festival for me and a few other people who who came along this year have said the same about them. So their set closed out at 10.30 and we got into the final band of the festival, which was uh, the Mighty Doom Lords, Electric Wizard. Mm. And this is, yeah, probably the most known band of the festival and definitely a good choice to close it. I don't know. I think... A lot of people might have been too sleepy for air
3: this time, though. <laughs> yes. uh, some of us actually fell asleep looking at Caitlin here. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I've got form. I've fallen asleep in a Godspeed You Gig before now.
3: Yeah. I'll fall asleep. Look, early I mean, next. it's very sleepy music, so it's not that surprising. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: But yeah, so Electric Wizard um, set up on the main Jägermeister stage. They had like um, kind of projected backdrop of like I would say like kind of sixties horror flicks mixed in with like very 60s looking visual effects played over the four of them. Yeah. Um, I, I
2: thought actually the backing video was really good. Uh, yeah. I've seen a few bands with backing videos and they're pretty much always terrible. Honorable yeah. mention to the Black Emperor who had a great one. But I have to say <laughs> this, is, this is one of the most effective uses and given that they're not a particularly... Like, oh, we could just do some kind of weird stuff. Like, it was very different, but really
1: they, they had a fair amount of topless women on it Yeah, well, that was a yeah, theme. Which, was very, which is an
2: electric wizard. It was thing. very in-keeping. It was, it was all very, like, felt sinister
4: it... and pornographic at the same yeah. time. Yeah. Which so, is so it's what not, you want, like, really. weird
2: when you're looking at the acupuncture merchandise going, this doesn't seem to fit with the genre. You could look at it and go, yes. Yeah. That's what <laughs> this is meant to look <laughs> like.
3: That's fine. Sixties boobs. That's what we want <laughs> from, from <laughs> metal.
0: Yeah.
4: Besides which, I
0: you know, mostly had my eyes closed, so I didn't worry about <laughs> <it>. <laughs> So uh, Rob probably saw the most of this set because uh, the rest of us had to leave slightly before the end of it. Yeah, so, so we came in... I, I
1: can't, they were playing something off Witch Cult today when we came in, and they finished off with Funeralopolis, which was was definitely the highlight of what they played. Or oh, as you know, we came in at the Satanic Rites of Lord Drugula, which has my favourite <laughs> Electric Wizard riff in it, so I was really pleased cool. to hear that. Um and yeah, the thing with Electric Wizards is they just sound so crushingly heavy live. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have this amazing, just the right balance of fuzz on the guitars and bass, with a real real powerhouse to hear. Uh, so I, I was really impressed. They, they, the Electric Wizards, band I've been into for a long time, they weren't the thing I was really looking for here, but I was definitely really pleased to catch them at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, I, I think they were a really good choice of closer for this, because they're the kind of band that managed to... Get everyone to say right to the end. Like, I I think everyone goes, Oh, I'll at least check out Electra Wizard Mm, at the end. mm. And they got a great sound out of that stage. Their lighting and everything made it look really impressive. Played a nice, varied set and ended on like obvious crowd favourite, Funeropolis. Yeah,
1: it's great to finish a metal festival with um, something about nuclear warheads and the world is so fucked. Let's end it tonight. (laughs) So, I think that was really fitting. (laughs)
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely a strong closer for this festival. Yeah,
3: I mean, there was a nice kind of there was a lot of like doomy and kind of sludgy stonery bands. I feel this year, so mm. it's nice to have that kind of continued on like through with an Electric Wizard. where some, I've been to festivals where, particularly the weird and metal festivals, where you're like, this is all really cool, and weird and interesting, but then someone super mainstream is headlining and in attempt mm. to get people to come, like uh, Doom Over London, um, Moonspell. Were uh, yeah. uh, headlining. It was not good, and it was very jarring after like having a day of watching Bosk and Esoteric and stuff <laughs> and to just be like, oh, and now it's Poppy and Folk metal-y. which I must say usually is a thing I enjoy, but not mm. not after that kind of day. So it was nice to have Electric Wizard. It felt very in keeping. I just wish I wasn't completely exhausted by that point. Like I I need to go see them in a, at a separate gig because I yeah, did definitely yeah. did not appre- could not appreciate them because anything after ten o'clock at night, I'm just.
0: Particularly when you've been seeing bands all day. Exactly, really. yeah. So. I, was like, I didn't need
3: to sit down, really.
0: Mm. Yeah, I have to I have to admit, like, in hindsight, because I, I watched bands pretty much the whole way through, that did result in Akakog's set being a complete blur. I can't really remember yeah. that well. <laughs> I've got a few images from it, but yeah. It, I, I think it's this is the effect of a festival. Like, this. they're trying to cram a lot into mm. one day, and there's... Yeah, you can only catch so much of it. So, yeah, first off, we should say apologies to any band. We didn't cover... I'm sure there's some absolutely brilliant stuff here going on the quality of stuff we saw. Like effectively I don't think anyone saw anything they could describe as a bad set. Like nope. there wasn't oh, much no walking out on stuff, which compare that to like an average year at Bloodstock, you <laughs> you're gonna leave the you're gonna leave the other stages a couple of times. Yeah. 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 Um Yeah, so I'm sure some brilliant bands, like um, I have hats off to employed to serve who have the best name of the festival <laughs> <laughs> oh dear
4: also
2: like their merchandise which was very kind of like owned by the state which always, yeah, <laughs> something I find interesting as a person who just like reads a lot of like really middle of the road dystopian fiction
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> where well, I think Venom Prison definitely won on uh, best merch of oh, the festival yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed all their sort of like really, really brutal anti-misogyny messages, <laughs> like, yeah, it was great a see. friend of ours bought, uh, I think it was a hoodie of uh, like an old image of a, a rapist having his genitals cut off and being fed them. Yeah, yeah well, yeah. they're
3: like classic track is perpetrator castration? I think that's what it's called. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's yeah. the stuff. Which she, like, yeah.
2: dramatically unveiled to us at breakfast. She the following did, yeah. Morning <laughs> in so pleased. <laughs> she was thrilled. <laughs> we were thrilled. The other people in the pub were not thrilled. Yeah. <laughs>
0: So, so, for each of you, what would you say was like your real moment of a vessel like band to watch it
1: so i th- so oceans of Slumber were my favorite band, definitely check out everything they're doing. The other surprise, the thing that surprised me, was Conjurer. Like I, I'm really going to follow them and get check out their EP. It's on YouTube, and definitely look for their
0: album that will be coming and, out. And you soon, can buy
2: it on Bandcamp. People can yeah. pay money for that album if they are so
0: interested. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So how about yourself, Hannah?
3: Um. Well, I mean, I I love Bosque a lot, so I was really excited to see a full set of them, and they were really tight. And Audio Noir was so, yeah like unexpectedly really really great like being away for eight years and then coming up with that was kind of like wow okay so yeah we definitely recommend people getting into that but my kind of um i guess surprised for maybe was darker because i hadn't listened to any of the new album but it all flowed really well with the ep it all just sounded like this one big beautiful ethereal creepy forest um <laughs> kind of vibe it was great so yeah probably darker and bosque for me how about yourself caitlin
2: Yep. Um, well, continuing the suggestion that Hannah and I are in fact the same person, <laughs> even though I would like to say we have very different music tastes outside of this specific festival, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, my highlights are also Darker and Bosque, um, so unlike Hannah, I'd never seen Darker before, because uh, Hannah saw her at um, Deep over London this year but um we kind of like i first kind of came across her when we went to see ahab in in london last year who yeah. uh, who's been supported by darker and esoteric and we stupidly were like oh imagine calling your band darker lol let's just skip that support <laughs> act and then kind of wandered <laughs> yeah. in for the last two bars while i went oh the shit is this and kind of the following morning with like a really terrible bang over i woke up at like 6 a.m and i was like oh, i'm gonna google them and find out what that was like and listen to the ep and i didn't quite cry but I might as well have cried <laughs> yeah. how much I like really wanted to see it. So I was completely, <laughs> completely thrilled. So I was the reason we didn't go and see Miss Rass because I was like, I want to be on the barrier, Hannah. Be oh, on the barrier. Yes. So I was kind of standing there right at the front, being like, this is very creepy of me. I'm really obsessed with this. <laughs> Especially as we like saw her setting up her merch, and I was like, I want to go over and be like, I think you're really awesome. And then I was like, but then there's just that like, awkward pause where they go, oh thanks, and then you stand there because there's nothing else for you to say. So I didn't, but I wish that I had.
3: So <laughs> we she ended was up, good. we ended up seeing her like. 10 times just yeah. like in the crowds crowds well, she's, and corridors she spent
2: quite a long time like hanging out on the kind of corridor down to the mind stage just kind of hanging out there having a chat to someone and I like must have walked past her five times being like she's the coolest lady <laughs> in the world <laughs> um,
4: yeah, so yeah. she
2: was amazing uh, and then Bosk just really 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 good I really really like their first, al- first album it was my EP It's my favourite thing they've ever done, and it was just really, really, really fucking awesome.
4: (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um, Beyond that, was there a band you didn't know before coming, or like had only heard a couple of songs before coming that you thought were really good? Anything you you would look up again afterwards?
3: Definitely Conjurer for me, and I have in fact looked up their EP, and I'm like, oh, yeah, this is good. I feel like seeing them first... Almost was, I kind of discounted them a little bit, because I was like, no, I can't get too invested in the first band I see. It's <laughs> so like, you know, you can't just, like, go for the first band, right? Mm. But no, they were, yeah, so I'm definitely going to steal that off of Rob.
2: Um, I'm actually going to make an effort to listen to a band that I didn't even get to see uh, or get to hear, which was um, uh, Sinistro, who I think are from Lisbon, uh, because we ended up seeing them through the doors to the Eyesore merch stage, which because of the <laughs> kind of like shape of that room meant that we couldn't at all hear the sound. It was just far too murky and messy. But we could see them, and they looked really, really cool and interesting. Yeah. And I thought, damn, I should have checked them out before the festival, so I'm going to make a point of listening to them.
0: Oh, cool, cool. I think mine is... Um, yeah, which clearly singles me out as someone who's far behind the times is Cult of Luna with their new album, because that was... <laughs> spectacular and such a good live show. (laughs) Glad I caught a bit of that. Unfortunately, if you wanted to see them with uh, Julie Christmas, they're only doing five shows of that, and I think Damnation might have been the last of the lot. So, that's done. But I imagine Golfs of Luna is still an incredible live act without her um, presence. Um, Beyond that, Caitlin touched on something I wanted to bring up about the festival. So, they they only sell 3,000 tickets, so it's a relatively small crowd. And they have 27 bands who are all mostly relatively unknown, which means at most points of the day the audience is made up by about five percent members of the band. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so uh you, you regularly bump into people. Like if you want to particularly talk to like say you particularly like the vocalist of Neo Blue you could go talk to them quite easily. Yeah, I, th- I think we both bought some merch from him and had a quick chat, so that was really nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, at one point in the day, I'd bought a Mithras t-shirt and walked past Mithras and Mithras <laughs> called out to me because I hadn't spotted them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, Oceans of Slumbers guitarist uh, we spoke to briefly. Then he asked us, if you could come join us to watch go Yeah, is, <laughs> it's, it's really cool. It's a great atmosphere. Yeah, it seems to be because the genres are so tightly woven together, and a lot of the bands are quite small and like involved in definitely a scene to some extent. It it has a really nice vibe of everyone just hangs out and definitely, and also like this seems to be the nicer end of metal people.
4: Oh yeah, yeah.
0: This was an incredibly well-behaved crowd. Like, how many of you dealt with the usual festival nonsense of someone pushing through the crowd like really aggressively?
3: Hardly at all, I think maybe. I don't think so I mean, well, we had a couple of people
2: shove past us at Electric Wizard, but. Hey, um, I mean, we were quite near the back and quite near the edge of the crowd, and we were that point, totally everyone was jammed in.
3: Wanking. Mm. So, yeah. you know. And there
2: were a couple, I, I found the crowd to be pressing too close during Akakoka, which was why I ended up leaving.
3: Ah, um,
0: but it should be said. That <laughs> was a
2: really packed stage, and I was quite near the front. And also, I like hate touching other human beings, so I have like a very low tolerance <laughs>
3: for crowds compared
0: yeah. to everybody else. And you and Hannah made the the rookie error of standing in the clearly designated mosh pit space yeah. for Akakoka. i mean, late yeah. left. Yeah. It was long before the
3: mosh pit space. Yeah, started. I realised too late and then couldn't move comes. So I was like, "Well, I'll just hope for the best." Luckily, there was a large man next to me who also didn't want to be in the pit, so he deflected most of most of that. Yeah.
2: Um, but there is a sort of, there's a kind of interesting phenomenological thing, which is that like, so Aka Cocker, very well-known band, apparently to everyone except me, um, <laughs> and it was kind of quite weird, because I'd sort of spent my whole day mostly seeing bands who people didn't really know and even if you did really, really know them, as I was like really familiar with Darkest Catalogue, it's not anything that you like sing along with, or that you mm. can kind of be like, yeah, this has got individual songs, which <laughs> make sense, and then there's a pause where someone's going to talk, and that it's all kind of one kind of beautiful river of sound situation so it was kind of really, really different to go and be in the Akikoka crowd and be like, oh no, wait, no, this is just like going to see a band that you don't know, but everyone else does know, and that's <laughs> that's quite weird, I don't, don't think I like it, oh, I'm, no, I'm not enjoying myself, and so I ended up just going to listen to the Dread Sovereign soundcheck instead, and sit down with my book, um, which is not a reflection on Akikoka being bad, it's just that I had a lot of music that day. <laughs> I, I, th-
0: I think it was quite noticeable, actually, from as early as like three o'clock when Mithras were playing, was you had people turning up for bands who really knew them. Like, Mithras had a crowd that really knew the stuff, and they are a very obscure band, Mm. being they've never really played live before.
2: Yeah, but I guess for Akkoka, it was like, it certainly felt from where I was, like, the entire room. Like, it felt felt a bit like when I went to see Sabaton, who were touring with Aelstorm, where I just had to stand at the back and grudgingly wait until Aelstorm had finished, they're like, I mean, I'll,
0: I'll try not to, uh, them, try not to but, kill you for comparing Acha sure. Cocker to Ailsa. No, I don't, don't think
4: they sounded like that. I mean, that I'm really sort of,
2: I mean that it was a kind of similar situation where there's you going, oh, this is kind of fine, I guess. I mean, I guess. I mean, Cocker, were were fine, but I mean, everybody else in the room was very much like, yeah, I'm really excited about this. and I'm really familiar with it, and I know all the stuff about it. And you're kind of looking at it and going. Oh, this is different, I'm very different from what I'm interested in. Yeah, so
3: everything. I felt, like I, got, I got kind of swept up with the excitement and the, this is, you know, Absolutely. and the, yeah. the vibe, so yeah. I was kind of like, yeah, I don't really know this, but everyone else is having a great time, so I am too. Kind yeah, of yeah
0: I think they they would have had one of the more overexcited excited crowds because for a lot of people who weren't me and Rob, this will be their first <laughs> time yeah. seeing them. Yeah. Some people aren't yeah, that no, upset. It's <laughs> understandable, mm. uh,
2: just sort of, very different from the rest mm. of the festival. Mm. And obviously, of course, they don't sound like, actually, I'm like Storm, I'm gonna get <laughs> <out there." laughs> People are going to be coming round and knocking on the door and saying, excuse me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they both have keyboards. <laughs> yeah. True. Uh, I think Enslaved actually had a very similar vibe where that, that was yeah, a crowd who know. knew their stuff inside out.
1: Yeah, the, the guy next to me knew all of the words to every enslaved song, which really Aww. impressed me, because I know I know a fair amount, but I didn't know nearly as many as him. I think quite hard to understand. You've, yeah, you've got to have done so. your yeah. research it's, for that. Uh,
0: but yeah, it was great to see people getting really into that. Yeah, so um, I think close out with just like overall thoughts and feelings on Damnation of the Festival. Because, bar Rob, this is the second time a lot of us have gone to it, mm-hmm. and this is a kind of an incredible festival. Like, yeah, I've really like I've not been to a lot of indoor festivals, but. Well, I can't imagine they're up to this quality like they've been doing it for 11 years now um, apparently the year before we went well sorry the first year we went they closed down the capacity from previous years because there was real issues with people not being able to get into stages and see bands and this year it was just the perfect amount of people yeah. Yeah. I know for the I Saw Merch stage not everyone could get in there but I feel there's no way around that by having the kind of
2: but cool. even then, last year, the ISL merch station was often uncomfortably packed. Mm. Like, it felt like the entire room was full in a way that if you're a sort of anxious person like me, you start to feel there's going to be some kind of horrifying fire hazard mm. situation. Whereas... um so when we came come out of the country set and bumped up some friends of ours and we were like, oh, you said you were going to Conjurer? Like, what was that like? And they couldn't get into the room. And it had actually felt, we'd sort of been towards the edge of the crowd, but it had still felt like there was quite a lot of room in there. And I'm sort of wondering if maybe they got quite a lot of feedback to be like, that stage was well overcrowded sort of yeah, out. Yeah. And, and they'd cut the numbers that were allowed in. Which is quite a ballsy thing for a festival to do. when Because yeah. yeah. like, it's like keeping the numbers down. They could probably sell another 500 tickets. And then it would be a really horrible festival to try and get through, and it would be too full and too sweaty and too awful, and you'd like never get anywhere. Considering but the fact they've money. managed
1: to get four stages in as well into this, and it's an amazing union building, but they've got four stages into this place. One of them, a friend of mine in Leeds, was saying, is normally the sort of catered hall where the students who get food well, paid really for. Big stage. Yeah, that's that's the main stage. So, considering they can fit four stages in, you know, some of them are going to be a bit smaller, and you can't always fit people in. Um, so, like, you know, good job for them for looking after the capacity and making sure everyone gets on all right.
0: And the other side of it is, like whoever's organising this is doing an incredible job of just having their finger on the pulse of modern metal. Like the Definitely, amount yeah. of interesting new bands and bands doing something interesting in their career, like getting that getting that Last Hang the Bastards set, getting that Cult of mm-hmm. Luna set, and getting bands like Atcoke and Mifras who've just come back to, oh, yeah. I picking up that Enslaved tour was incredible planning.
2: Rob, with Rob just saying that that's where they have all their catered halls. I grew up in Leeds. I've been to a load of gigs there, and I've never recognised it because the rest of the is so
4: different.
2: I saw Corn there; it was the first ever metal gig I went to, and I watched a girl get her nose broken at Panic at the Disco by one of the other girls who wanted to be on the barrier. It was terrible, and, and I yeah. had to take my sister and her friends to see Enter Shikari there, where I stood oh, at the oh, back yeah. with all the grumpy dads, being yeah. like, "This is the worst thing <laughs> ever happened." But
1: on the topic of sort of all the small bands and stuff, I would say if you, if, you know, there's a lot of people online and stuff who will say that metal is dead but there's no innovation or anything. Well, if you think they're, they're wrong fucking yeah. come along to damnation because there are so many interesting bands here like new bands like Oceans of Slumber or Conjurer or Svalbard and l- older bands like Enslaved and Agarcocker and Electric Wizard who are still proving that they're doing really great interesting
0: things yeah and a band like Agarcocker and Slaved are ancient bands but still able to make very new material really work they are not coasting on an old legacy Same even of Luna that's like their seventh album and they played the whole thing right just
3: the range of genres and sounds so basically if you've looked at the
2: download lineup where they've said things like headlining biffy cairo and then they're like further down slayer if you're getting sick of that just just get us up to (laughs) damnation this year i promise it won't be that
0: yeah so um i I think that that pretty much wraps it up for the festival uh we'd, we'd like to know like any of your thoughts if you actually made it to the festival or if you think there was a band there that we really should have seen that we completely missed and probably by that token haven't actually heard of at the moment um get in touch with us at Phil's Metal at gmail.com that's all one word and then uh, just leaves me to thank hannah and caitlin for uh coming along and helping out with this one anytime we'll yeah definitely have to back for proper sets at some point where Absolutely. you can share your your actual like full taste in music but yeah <laughs> cool thanks a lot
3: awesome